Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. I know it's not nice outside, but thank you for making the trek here. Are you having a good morning so far? Yes? Good? Enjoying the worship? Wasn't that a beautiful song we just sang together? I mean, they're all beautiful, but that light of the world is such a beautiful Christmas song. So we are going to rediscover God's gift of love together this morning. In the last couple of weeks, we've rediscovered God's gifts of hope and of peace. And so we move forward today with this gift of love. And these gifts given to us by God through Jesus are the greatest gifts we could ever receive. Amen? Amen. They are the greatest gifts we could possibly receive. I mean, just think about it with me. Where would we be this morning if we didn't have hope or if we didn't have peace? Where would we be if we didn't have hope and peace in our lives? Maybe you are here this morning and you're thinking, well, actually... I don't feel like there's much hope or peace in my life right now. And if that's you, I just want to say you are in the right place this morning or on the right YouTube channel because there is absolutely hope and peace in Jesus. And we experience hope and peace through a relationship with Jesus. Hope and peace is always available to us in an unending supply. One of the things I love about our Christian faith and what I want us to all know this morning, maybe you do already know it, just that there is no dead ends with God. There aren't any dead ends with God. There is nothing beyond God's redemption. God restores us. He gives us hope and he gives us a purpose and he gives us a new start. Hallelujah. Jesus is the most incredible beginning of our own stories. Now, I know many of you are saying amen in your heart and your head right now. I love hearing amens, so (laughs) never hold back on the amens. Jesus is the most incredible start to our own story, and he's the perfect ending to our story In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life in his perfect kingdom. There's always hope in Jesus and we can all have peace throughout our journey, my friends. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. I'd like to take a minute before we get into love, before we get into the word together, to acknowledge that while Christmas is meant to be this joyful, happy occasion, that's not always the case for everyone. Depending on the season of life we find ourselves in, Christmas could be a very difficult time for some of us. And I think especially of those who have lost loved ones this past year. Some who have lost loved ones this past week even. 
and our thoughts and prayers are with the Chatterton family today. And so for some, this will be a first Christmas where their special person is no longer here to celebrate with or take part in the traditions or to make new memories with. Some of you who have experienced grief and loss are here in this room this morning. And some of you are tuning in online at home. Either way, I want you to know that we see you. We see you. You are not alone. And I pray that in your rediscovering of God's gift of love today, that you will all know it, not just know about it, but feel it personally and deeply. My prayer for every single one of us, whether Christmas is hard or whether it's wonderful, is that we will all be filled with God's incredible, wonderful, kind, and compassionate love right now as we spend these moments together, but too in the days, weeks, and months, and years ahead. So let's just do a little Advent recap here. Because I think reminders are helpful. I know I need them constantly, especially this time of year. How about you? Are you in the same boat? Yeah, we all could use some reminders, right? So the word Advent means coming or arrival. We use words like anticipation, longing, waiting, expectation to describe the season of Advent. And so there's this connecting of the past the present, and the future. Advent gives us this opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, and then to celebrate his arrival, his coming down to earth, his birth, and then to be ready for his second coming. And so Advent is a time where we look back and remember and celebrate what God has done. And at the same time, we look forward to Christ coming again and sharing in his kingdom. That time when he returns for his church, his bride, his people. And so each week, as we've been doing so far, we focus on a different attribute of God or a different gift of God that is revealed to us, given to us through Jesus, his son. Hope, peace, love, that's today, and joy that's going to be next week. And now you do not want to miss the service next week. I promise you, I promise you and guarantee you, you will feel joy by being here next week. So please don't miss next Sunday. Okay, getting ahead of myself now. Love. Do you all know the song? It's an old old chorus. I think I remember it from when I was in Sunday school. God loves you and I love you and that's the way it should be. Yeah? Hallelujah? I think there's a hallelujah in there, right? But those are literally the only lyrics. Now for those of you who don't know it, I'm not going to sing it because I'm going to despair your ears, okay, this morning from a sound you might not enjoy. But God loves you, I love you, and that's the way it should be. Those are the only lyrics. I had forgotten about this song 
until I was visiting a retirement home a couple of weeks ago, and my friend Julie, who comes and plays piano for me, reminded me of this song. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's a great chorus. It's, it's absolutely true, right? God loves you, and I love you, and that's the way it should be. It's easy, right? <laughs> no one's giving me any head nods. Because we know, don't we? We know that sadly, this is not true in the case of our world, in the case of our communities, neighborhoods, families, sometimes, dare I say, churches even. But it's supposed to be. God's word tells us that we are to love one another. We are to love one another. Amen. So hang on to this. Now, traditionally, when we look at the Christmas story, we kind of categorize the different groups of people. Silas referenced the shepherds last week, and Fred um, spoke about Simeon and Mary and Joseph the week before that. And our passage of scripture that was read to us by Peter this morning, thank you Peter, is about the magi, the wise men. So we have these different groups of people who are all a part of the same incredible birth story of Jesus. And so what we're going to actually consider this morning is how Jesus brings these different groups of people together They all represent many different divides and contrasts, yet here in the birth story of Jesus, they become united. Just think about the beginning of the birth story of Jesus with me. In the beginning, we have Zechariah and Elizabeth, right, who are John the Baptist's parents and John comes before Jesus and prepares the way for them remember he is the voice in the wilderness calling prepare the way for the Lord so Zachariah and Elizabeth have John in their old age and then we have Mary and Joseph Jesus earthly parents who have Jesus when they are very young We have the prophets and old covenants from Israel's past who foretold the birth of the Messiah. And then we have the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, the prophetic promise fulfilled, and a new covenant, a new spiritual future. We're reminded of this when we looked at Simeon together. In this, we also have the separation of God and the death of the past with this new restoration and life in the present and in the future. We have the shepherds and the angels, earth and heaven, intersecting the physical and the spiritual coming together. We look then at the stable and we have animals and humans, God's created beings, joining together. You see the contrasts? Here so far, and so we add to that today as we look at the Magi. So, who are these guys anyway? Who are the Magi? We know they were 
latecomers to the party. We often see them alongside the manger and sing about them being there with the shepherds and the baby, but in reality, Jesus was likely a toddler when they arrived. And two, we know that they brought three gifts with them, but nowhere does scripture say that there were only three wise men. The carol paints that picture for us. Maybe there were many more, likely a caravan full of them. In truth, we actually don't really know a lot about them. We know they are visitors from the east who follow a star for a very long time, very long distance, to find and worship the promised Messiah. What's interesting about the Magi is that they are quite the opposite of the lowly shepherds that Silas spoke about last week. The Magi are noble and they're wealthy. And most significantly is that they are Gentiles, meaning they are not Jews, so they are not a part of God's chosen nation that we read all about in the Old Testament. So the fact that they are included and present in the birth story of Jesus just solidifies the radical idea in Jesus' day that the Messiah, Jesus, has come to redeem and restore and rescue and to save and to love all people, not just the Jewish people. Have you ever noticed how there are no Pharisees or Sadducees or religious rulers of the day in the birth story of Jesus? Rather, we have these wealthy travelers from the East, from a different race and culture, who take this great and long journey and who humbly then worship this baby from a poor, unassuming couple in the countryside. The people we see involved in the birth of Jesus are nothing like the people of the day would have ever expected or imagined. The birth of Jesus and how it happened that the Messiah would be so lowly and associated with unclean humanity and creation, I mean, that would have been downright blasphemous in the day. So what does this have to do with love, you might ask? Well, by his birth alone, Jesus broke down human barriers and united the divisions. And so it's this kind of unifying love that I really want us to reflect on this morning as we rediscover God's gift or attribute of love. We know the Bible talks about love and that God is love, and the Bible is basically his love story for all of humanity. We covered this recently when we looked at what it meant to be the bride of Christ. Jesus restores our broken relationship with God. His love expressed through his life, death, and resurrection makes it possible for our sin to be forgiven so that we can be restored and have a relationship with our holy God. Jesus is the groom. We, as his church, are his bride, and this is a relationship of perfect, perfect love. Just listen to 1 John chapter 4 with me. Verses 7 to 16 here. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. 
Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So John explains to us here that God personifies love. Love is absolutely his nature, and he has shown us love by sending us Jesus. When we choose Jesus, when we choose to live for Jesus, when we give him our lives, we are restored to this true and perfect love. We are filled, the word says, with his perfect love. As we live in him and his spirit in us, we are filled with his perfect love. And not only does it fill us, it fuels us. Or it should fuel us. It's meant to fuel us, to love others. God loves you and I love you and that's the way it should be. <laughs> Easy. As Jesus is finishing his ministry on earth, he shares in the last Passover meal with his disciples and he says this to them. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are to love like Jesus loves. How will people know that we are followers of Jesus? By the way we love others by the way we show love to others as christians we are to be known for our love for others love is supposed to define us and characterize us and so how are we doing with this how are we loving others our neighbors our families our friends our co-workers, our church? How are we showing love 
in our current cultural climate? How are we showing love when kingdom values and world values don't align? We live in divided times. Our culture, our nation, our world, our people have multiplied the ways to divide us. It's that us and them mentality. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, that us and them mentality. And that's been going on all throughout history. All throughout history, evident through war and oppression, the weak and the powerful, the haves and the have-nots. There's always been this sense of us and them in our world. But we're reminded through the birth of Jesus that he united the us and them. And it didn't stop there. It's why his teaching while he was on this earth was so radical. God's love is radical. I mean, Jesus says in Matthew to us, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus continually reached out to the separated and the excluded he became a friend to the hated tax collectors, even inviting one of them, Matthew, to be one of his disciples. He spoke with the Samaritan woman at the well, breaking social barriers. Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, and Jewish men didn't speak with women in public like this. I mean, just think of the story of the Good Samaritan. This is radical unexpected love in action right here and it's the example jesus gives when he teaches us about loving our neighbor luke chapter 10 verses 30 to 35 a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho and he encountered robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings beat him and went their way unconcerned leaving him half dead now by coincidence a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side Likewise, a Levite also came down to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan foreigner who was traveling came upon him. And when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion for him and went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them to soothe and disinfect the injuries. And he put him on his own pack animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you need, I will repay when I return. So this is a good and challenging story for us today, right? We'd all agree? Good and challenging, familiar for many of us. But you know what? This was astounding to those who were listening to Jesus teach this. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And that hate began centuries before this when the kingdom of Israel split. And so the Jews viewed the Samaritans as this inferior race. They were prejudiced towards them. And we have Jesus here holding up a Samaritan as the example of how to love our neighbor this was astounding to those people's ears. Jesus shows us 
that loving others means crossing borders and barriers and disagreements. We are to love those who may not share the same perspective or experience as us. Jesus shows us and calls us to have this unifying love that breaks down divisions. Maybe for some of us this morning, this unifying love is what's needed in your family. Maybe it's needed in our, in our neighborhood or our workplace or our community. Or maybe it's needed to simply be felt personally. God's supernatural, incredible, radical love is meant for you. It's meant for you. It's meant for every single one of us. And it's meant for us to not only know about it, but to experience it personally and deeply. You are loved. You have a role to play. And you have love to give to others. You are invited into the loving presence of God, whether you think you deserve to be there or not, you are invited into the loving presence of God. And every single one of us in here and out there is invited into the loving presence of God, whether we think they deserve to be there or not. We are equally loved by God and equally invited into his presence. And Jesus speaks to his disciples in John chapter 15. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. I had the honor and privilege of attending our Mandarin group Christmas potluck yesterday. And I had a beautiful time. And there was so much good food and really good conversation. Um, We had a devotion and a testimony from someone in that group, and then we had time of worship. And we sang a couple of really beautiful songs. And one of the songs um, didn't have the English words on the screen, and so I closed my eyes and I just listened to the beautiful voices singing around me, and I thought to myself, What a beautiful melody. It's 
this is a really nice melody. And I just kept my eyes closed and listened, and I prayed for this beautiful group of people. Um, and then I went home, and a friend in that group emailed me the English words to that Chinese hymn. And it's called Live Out Love, right? Live Out Love. And I thought to myself, God is so incredible because that song is the message today. It's beautiful. And so I wanted to share the words of that Chinese hymn with you. Live out love. Born from above, true love has come. Awesome love for all men. Mind can't tell, hands can't touch, yet you can see. For there is you and there is me, we would give from our heart, living out this awesome love from within. This love from Christ gripped me tight. I am yours. This I prayed. Make me, Lord, a blessing to the world. This love from Christ lit my heart, burning so bright you can feel. My dear friend, now let's live out this true love. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't those words incredible? I think we need to learn that so we can all sing it together. It would be awesome. So Christmas is a season centered on love. Love shown to all humanity in the gift of Jesus Christ for salvation for all who would call on his name. Christ, whose love for you and me equips us and fuels us as his church to spread that love, to make a difference in the world, to do more for those who need it, to show them love, to live out love wherever we find ourselves. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they come, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as well. And I'd like to read from you from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. This is my prayer for all of you. It's my prayer for you, my church family, my friends. Says this. For this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, God the first and ultimate Father. May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. And spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love fully experiencing that amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know 
practically through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Amen.